A woman's online complaints for a men working sign doesn't go to plan. A female organization aimed at helping women is given a dose of equality for discriminating against men. J. Crew sparks debate with a feminist teacher and best for last triggers a male suicide is to be studied. All of that and more coming up on MGTOWN News. Sunday, June 3rd, 2018. Let's go ahead and kick off this week's edition of MGTOW News with the headlines. To kick off this week's headlines, we're going to be covering that story that you guys just heard about moments ago about that woman complaining online about a man's working sign. Go ahead and take a look. Woman's complaint at sexist men working sign doesn't go to plan. The men working sign is a regular feature outside building sites up and down the country, though becoming less frequent with an increasingly diverse workforce. And when Annie James spotted a caution men working sign outside Morrison's patrol station in Fort William, Scotland, she wrote in to complain. Next to a picture of the sign, she posted, Obviously, only men are allowed to work on this construction site at your Morrison's patrol station in Fort William. Hashtag everyday sexism. The signs are often branded as an example of everyday sexism by some who say it discriminates against female workers and is non-inclusive. But Annie's post didn't quite go to plan. Instead of stoking up a debate, people on Facebook piled in to accuse Annie of overreacting, including Dave Smith who told her, Outrage for outrage's sake, get a life. Kirk Orchard asked, Are you for real? Bree Archer commented, Unless you can prove a woman was working there, that day, the sign is legit, and you have zero complaints. And Maria Brown joked, I take it that she doesn't want to speak to the manager. Get it? Because, you know, has the word, it's manager, it has man in, in, in the... Yeah, it's funny. Okay. After the comments, Annie tried to reason with them by suggesting the word men be replaced with people. The debate over men working and men at work signs has raged for years. Back in 2008, authorities in Atlanta, Georgia, and the United States were painted more than 50 men at work and men working signs following a campaign by a local women's magazine. In 2016, Madonna brought up the issue when she posted a men working sign on her Instagram page. The 59-year-old wrote, Did you ever see a sign like this on any city street that said, Women working? Wait. Didn't think so. And the Metro.co.uk has approached Morrison's for comment, but, you know, there is no comment. <laughs> Alright guys, so I hope you guys enjoyed that quick little story. It was uh, a bit crazy, I'm not going to lie. So, the reason that I chose to cover that and I chose to kick off the headlines with that story was because it just, you know, sort of, it, it ties into the concept that, you know, it's quote-unquote becoming illegal nowadays to be a man and what I mean what I mean by that is that these days anything tied in to the word men uh, for example men working signs at construction sites it's viewed as something that's harmful something that is sexist well you know the yeah female construction workers do exist uh, but I, honestly honestly I can't remember the last time or if I have ever seeing a female construction worker at a construction site um on the you know on the side of the road building some new stuff or anything. I've never seen that. And you know, I don't need to you know reference any statistics to know that the construction industry it's a male dominated industry. All right. 
so yeah, I understand how that might be exclusive uh, or exclusive or whatever. Uh, it might just leave out some female construction workers. I get that, but that's still not sexism, right? Uh, I mean, they're not out there to you know discriminate or anything. They're not preventing her from doing something. They're just simply saying it, it's just another way of saying. Hey, there's some construction workers. Hey, you might want to slow down or something like that, you know, or whatever it may be. Now, you know, that's not sexism, but yeah. Oh man, the, the, these stories—they're funny, but it also just makes it okay. This stuff, like this person, was actually serious. Now, uh, once again, I am thankful that everybody, including women, made fun of that crazy lady on Facebook. Uh, so yeah, there's that. Uh, we'd go ahead and jump right into the next story. Uh, when I was giving you guys introduction, uh, I talked about how there was this, um, what was it, a club or something, uh, for women. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was this organization that was supposed to, uh, help women achieve their goals and, and stuff along the lines of that. And they discriminated against a guy who actually, uh, was reserved for the event. Go ahead and take a look. Founder of female-only organization aimed at helping women advance in the workplace is sued by men's rights, men's rights activist group for sex discrimination. Created by Claire Wasserman 18 months ago, Ladies Get Paid was set up to help women embrace their ambition and take control of their careers. The organization also offers women advice on how to get paid and promoted fairly for the work they have done. The organization hosts events, workshops, and webinars ranging in price from $15 to $25 per event. While reaction to the group has been largely positive, two men sued Wasserman for sex discrimination under California's Unruh Civil Rights Act. They claim ladies got paid treated them unequally after they were asked to leave an event at a restaurant named The Red Door in San Diego. Wasserman was forced to settle out of court and has since started a crowdfunding page to help her with legal costs. The founder of a women-only networking group has revealed how a civilly, I'm sorry, how a civil rights lawsuit forced her to allow men to attend her events. In other words, uh, she got a dose of equality. Let's just say that. <laughs> All right. Created by Claire Wasserman 18 months ago, Ladies Get Paid was set up to help women embrace their ambition, take control of their careers, and ultimately get paid and promoted fairly for the work they have done. The organization hosts events, workshops, and webinars ranging in price from $15 to $25 where women can find out practical information and network both in person and online and at first received an overwhelmingly positive reaction. And for those of you who are watching this on YouTube, that's a picture of her, Claire Wasserman, uh, and these are just a bunch of pictures of their events and all that. All right, let's continue reading. However, in 2017, Wasserman was sued after a man named Rich Allison from California came forward to accuse ladies get paid of sex discrimination and violence and, and violation of California's Unruh Civil Rights Act. In speaking to Refinery29, Wasserman shared that she didn't set out to create a business and only felt compelled to create a resource 
for female employment empowerment after she started researching the wage gap, which doesn't even exist. And after her first event, she fully realized why they had to be for women only. I just thought we can't have men in the room. That would totally disrupt it, she said. A lot of women who came to the events say, I had this interaction at work that made me really uncomfortable, but, you know, whatever. And people in the room are like, no, no, hold on. Tell me about that experience. The way you feel is legitimate. Here's something you could do to speak up about it. When she asked the community if they should start integrating men every now and then at events, she got so many emails from members telling her not to do so. In the lawsuit, the plaintiff, which Allison says he was kicked out of a ladies get paid event held at the Red Door restaurant in San Diego in August of 2017, even though he registered to attend. So he was registered. He registered to attend the event. He just, you know, still got kicked out because equality. Am I right? Allison was permitted to enter a different section of the Red Door where the event was not being hosted. Remember, this is the what he registered to attend. Anyways, since he was not attend the event, attending the event, he was not entitled to a discount being offered to ladies get paid and was effectively charged a man tax on drinks and services. He also compared the event to something as repugnant and unlawful as Caucasian night or a heterosexual night. Alfred G. Rava, the attorney handling Allison's case, was once a member of the National Coalition for Men, the country's oldest men's rights group, and filed a second lawsuit in L.A. in December of 2017 on behalf of a man named George St. George. She was served in January on the day of the Women's March. Shame on these guys, but at the same time, what the f- is this law that can be used and abused this way? Wasserman asked. When will it stop? In an email to Refinery29, Ravis shared that his clients come to him when they learn that a seemingly man-hating business is operating in the progressive state of California. I take great umbrage at businesses operating in California that treat people unequally. For example, uh, favoring one group of people over another based on people's immutable personal characteristics such as race or sex, Rava added. Wasserman said last month, rather than go to trial and officially change ladies get paid's policy to admit men. However, in order to do so, she had to borrow money from her mom and also started a crowdfunding page with a $100,000 goal to help her with legal costs and has so far raised $80,000. And while most followers have been largely supportive, some women have attacked Wasserman for settling. We had a woman who was super rude to us in an Instagram post saying, You realize you're giving into the patriarchy because you settled? I was like, you have no understanding of the legal system, and you don't know how much it would have cost us to go to court, she explained. It was really upsetting, especially to see a woman accused of, of not standing up to the patriarchy, because that's literally all we do as a company, she added. We chose to settle because that was the financially prudent decision, 
and we want to get on with our lives. All right, guys. So, uh, you know, that story, well, it, it just shows a lot. First of all, let's do a little recap in case you weren't paying attention. Okay, so what happened was this guy, he registered to go to this event, right? It was a women's event to, like, help them fight for equality, you know, that that stuff. And apparently, they didn't feel comfortable with a man at the event. So he had to go elsewhere. You know, he was allowed to sit at the restaurant just in a separate section. But, like... Really, let's analyze this. So, first of all, they they want to fight for equality, but they don't want to allow men into the into their events and whatnots. And then, well, now they do, but that's because they are practically forced to do that. But anyways, getting back to the point, now we have some. So so now they're even when they are um, you know trying to have a little debate or whatever. On allowing guys in and whatnot, they were having a debate. Some people didn't like it, and and you know that's just them like really showing their the true feminist side, you know the true man hating side because you know that's just really what feminism is. Uh, it's just taking rights away from men, giving it to women at the disposal of men, and using the government to their advantage, uh, and and then they you know use all this they use all this fake stuff. All these myths, that's what they are, these myths, as an excuse for their actions. You know, the pay gap that doesn't even exist, uh, the patriarchy that exists in in, um, in America, you know, because I live in North America. And um, what, what other excuses do they use? They use that, um, them being oppressed. Then they And I've, I've been seeing lately these stories, these articles coming out about how, what was it, female female um, streamers on Twitch getting paid less. And, and you know, whole, first of all, the myth of female oppression is not, it's not even a myth. It's like the, it's the opposite of the truth. It's like, to be honest with you, it's like satire of reality. Female oppression is a satire of reality. I like that. I'm going to use that in future reference. But I, I just came up with that at the top of my head. Really, I did. Uh, so, yeah, I like that. Female oppression is a satire of reality. So, uh, yeah, that's that for that story. Guys, share your thoughts on this story in the comments below. Let's go ahead and move on to the next story. All right, guys. So the next story is about yet another false rape accusation. Go ahead and take a look. Girl made false accusation of rape after her ex-boyfriend rejected her. A teenage girl falsely accused her ex-boyfriend of drugging and raping her when he refused to rekindle their romance, a court heard. Hannah Sandover, 18, had been dating her ex-boyfriend, also 18, for nearly a year when they broke up. She later told a friend he had spiked her water bottle and forced himself on her in the back of his car during a trip to the Westbury Whitehorse in Wiltshire. Her worried friend went to the police and Sandover gave a statement saying, He became forceful and pinned me down. I kept telling him to stop. I think he had drugged the water I was drinking. She claimed she got into the back of her former boyfriend's car to stretch out in an attempt to ease stomach pains 
before her former boyfriend jumped on her. Sandover also claimed that one of her friends was sitting in the front of the car, but was listening to music through headphones, so whoever that person was, they didn't know what was going on. When she was taken to a clinic for an examination, her story started to change as she admitted she hadn't been drugged. Sandover admitted she made it all up when her family began to question the story. She admitted a charge of wasting police time at Salisbury Magistrates Court in Wiltshire. Prosecutor Ryan Seneviratine said, Miss Sandover is extremely lucky that she didn't get charged with perverting the course of justice only due to her age and the fact that she has no previous convictions. Her ex-boyfriend has said his confidence in approaching girls has been completely ruined. He was kept in custody for five and a half hours and underwent intimate tests, and all because she wanted to get back at him. She had numerous times to say the allegations were lies, but she didn't. Defending Moses Tawa said she was too scared to admit she had been lying. The only person she told the story to was her friend. She never meant for it to be taken to the police and couldn't tell me why she told the lies. She has faced some health issues, and when the only relationship she had with anyone ended, she panicked, which she now shows remorse for. Sandover was bailed for sentence on June 8th, and if possible, MGTOW News will try its best to provide you guys with an update on the story. Alright guys, so the reason that I covered this story is just to, you know, send a little bit of another grim reminder, so to speak, of the way that the world really is. These rape accusations, they're more common than you think. You know, just got to tape in false rape accusation, and you're going to see it all over the place. You're going to see it all over the news. It's everywhere. Like I said, I'm not saying that every single rape you know, accusation is going to be false, but now a lot of them are, you know, false. And, you know, a lot of guys, they will develop this mentality. They're like, it's not going to happen to me. That's just stuff I see in the news. It won't happen to me. No, no, let me tell you what, son. It it probably will. Uh, when you think it won't happen to you, well, it probably will happen to you. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up the headlines with this final story about J. Crew, the clothing retailer brand, sparking controversy over a feminist t-shirt go ahead and take a look j crew's feminist t-shirt for boys sparks fury debate on instagram a j crew's boys t-shirt with the saying i am a feminist too was posted on instagram sparking a fury debate in the comments section and for those of you who are watching this on youtube that's the picture right there all right Popular clothing retailer J. Crew sparked some debate after posting a photo of a young boy wearing a t-shirt with the saying, I am a feminist too on it. The shirt is part of J. Crew's latest collaboration with the company Prink Shop, which describes itself as a cause-centric community that creates clothes and accessories that people want to wear and carry that gives them a voice and helps them to create change in the world uh, around them, according to its website. We value freedom of speech and freedom of commerce. We want to create change and create jobs, Prank Shop's creators say on their site. 
our bold text-based graphic products feature issues ranging from women's reproductive rights and push for equality to education and gun control. J. Crew created several limited edition t-shirts with Prank Shop, and for every shirt sold, the company is donating 10% of the retail price to Girl Up, an organization that helps girls achieve their dreams, the company says on its site. The I Am A Feminist t-shirt, which was marketed online as Boys Prank Shop for Crew Cuts Feminist t-shirt, has sold out on the J. Crew online store. I repeat, the shirt has sold out on J. Crew's online store. Uh, its price is no longer listed, but a similar prank shop t-shirt for girls with the message, You see a girl, I see the future, retails for $29.50. Both J. Crew and Prank Shop posted an image of a boy wearing the feminist t-shirt on Instagram Saturday. In three days, in three days, J. Crew's Instagram post got 16,401 likes and a barrage of both supportive and disparaging comments. Liberalism is a disease, one commenter wrote. Unfollowing, you don't have my business anymore, another said. Other people, however, defended the shirt. I say this conservative married woman raising one girl and two boys. You have no idea what you're talking about. One Instagram user replied to someone who had posted a negative comment on the post. Our boys will be real men. Real men are respectful to women. Messages like chick magnet, boys will be boys, fathers lock up your daughters, and ladies man, cultivate and perpetuate an attitude of disrespect toward and objectification of women. It's not okay. And you don't have to teach boys to like girls and girls to like boys. It's our nature and without the need for stupid message t-shirts. The message continued, Yes, my boys are proud feminists, another commenter wrote. Praise the company that supports the child that all children and adults are treated. Hashtag equally. Grateful to stand with J. Crew, said another. On their Instagram post, Prank Shop also received their fair share of both disapproval and support. This is child abuse. Kids should not be billboards for political thought, one commenter wrote, while another pleaded, Please, get more of these in stock. I would like to buy one for my nephew. If you made them in men's size, my... <laughs> oh, a second. Oh, a second. Okay. Um, uh, if, if you made these in men's size, my husband would buy one too. Oh, man. J. Crew did not immediately respond to CBS News' request for comments. Ah, uh, yes. Feminism. Nothing better than indoctrinating the minds of young ones with gender politics at a young age. You know what I mean? That's just, that's just the thing nowadays. You know, it's better to start, you know, forcing kids to worry about gender politics at a young age. But hey, uh, it's actually true. I'm 14 and I'm, I'm, I'm going my own way. So <laughs> who am I to say that? Uh, sorry guys. Anyways, that story, mm, I understand that feminism is a, a controversial issue. It really is. I mean, it's gender politics and it has the word politics in it. So anything involved in politics, it has, say it with me now, division. So yeah, I'm not surprised that there's any division or debate or whatever when it comes to a, you know, a feminist related post on Instagram or whatever it's posted or wherever it's posted. Um, but what I do not like is the fact that this is, you know, that they used a young boy for this. 
that's just insane, insanely wrong, insanely because this is like stuff that they shouldn't have to worry about that, you know, and I'm not trying to like talk little, you know, or anything to, or trying to be disrespectful or whatever to younger people or, or whatever by saying you're not old enough to understand this. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they shouldn't have to be forced to, you know, model this kind of apparel because that's just why should they care about women's rights? They should worry about being kids. And I know that's a, you know, something cliche, you know, you might have heard something along the lines of that before. But seriously, though, this is something that, first of all, feminism itself, it's a joke. Now, indoctrinating that that crap into younger kids, that's insane. You know, feminists are, uh, you know, they, they use, they're now using younger kids as a tactic to expand uh, their evil agenda. You know, and it's just sad. Um, and yes, uh, this this whole this was a like uh, a liberal thing. And look, for so this feminist stuff, yeah, they're you know pro abortion and and more about reproductive rights and this and that. Uh, so that is a liberal thing. And I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to attach a negative connotation to like political stuff. Uh, I'm not liberal nor am I Republican. I'm just in the middle. Personally, politics is a circus show full of uh, full of corruption, confusion, and a bunch of crap. Divide society. I don't like it. All right, but this is some uh, liberal stuff right here. It is. That's just what it is, you know. Uh, as one of the people pointed out, you know, and uh, this is this does count as politics, I guess, and this political indoctrination, uh, gender political indoctrination. To younger kids, it's just wrong. Uh, now I don't care. I, I'm not. I don't dislike it because it's liberal or whatever you might want to call it. Um, I dislike it because they're enforcing this upon a, a young child. That is what I dislike about it. Uh, guys, please do share your thoughts on this in the comments below. All right, guys. So for this week's edition of Mick Ten News for the Men's Rights Section. We're going to be covering this article that discusses how the triggers of male suicide is going to be studied. Now, this was something that I was particularly excited about. Uh, and if you don't know why, for those of you who do follow me on Twitter, uh, you are aware that I have been working. Yeah, well, I currently am working on my latest podcast to kick off season two of the MGTOW Academy show. Uh, it's about the silent male suicide epidemic. So... After doing some research, I was really sickened at this horrible epidemic, the factors uh, the factors that are related to it, and how nothing's being done about it. But now that I saw the story, uh, I, I was really, really happy to, to see this story. I, I truly was, all right? Uh, it's a great story, guys. Go ahead and take a look. Suicide triggers in men to be studied. All right. I like the story. Suicide among men in Scotland is to be examined as part of an in-depth study by researchers at Glasgow University. The three-year PhD will assess what increases the likelihood of someone taking their own life and what can be done to reduce the risks. Alright, of the 728 people who killed themselves in Scotland in 2016, 75% of them were men. Suicide is currently the leading cause of death in men under the age of 50 across the UK. The project will involve researchers conducting a psychological autopsy of the social, clinical, and psychological risk factors associated with male suicide. Alright, 
the flip of a coin. Professor Rory O'Connor, the director of the Suicidal Behavior Research Lab at the university, told BBC Radio Scotland's Good Morning Scotland program, I've been studying suicide for the last 20 plus years, and yes, our understanding of the complex set of factors have increased. But the stark reality is that we're no better than the flip of a coin at predicting who will kill themselves. If we focus in on men, between 70 to 75% of all suicide cases across the UK and Scotland are by men, and we don't know enough about what it is about men, about the complex set of social, clinical, and cultural factors and psychological factors that increase that risk. Professor O'Connor said that while suicide was traditionally considered as an issue that affected younger men, recent figures had shown it was also a significant cause of death for those in their 40s and 50s. He said that of those people who were treated for depression, less than 5% would go on to kill themselves. He said more work was needed to understand what was unique about that group that led them to take their own lives. Different from women. What we're hoping to do in this project is to understand the unique circumstances, not just of male suicide, but of male suicide in Scotland. Although over the past 10 years, the suicide rate has been decreasing in Scotland, there was this increase last year and we're hoping that doesn't turn into a trend. What is about Scotland? What is it about our suicide rate that's higher than it is in England and what can we do to intervene? And there's an infographic here on the screen titled Suicide in Scotland. I'll go ahead and read it to you guys. All right. 75% of men. That's the proportion of deaths from suicide. 728. That's the total number of deaths from suicide in 2016. And there's been an 8% rise in the number of suicides compared with 2016. The Scottish Association for Mental Health, the SAMH, will fund a three-year PhD scholarship, which will be the most in-depth study of its kind in the UK. Chief Executive Billy Watson told the program, There are relatively few studies in terms of those risk factors and behaviors that we are keen to understand more deeply. So we hope that this has the potential in Scotland to be a breakthrough piece of work. He added, We know that men where and how they seek help and at what time they seek help is different largely from women. We know their societal, I'm sorry, their social connectedness and societal role for men may also be a factor. We wish to explore self-harm and self-medication. They're all factors that I hope that this study can get further into to help us understand some of those patterns and why some people choose to take their own life and why others don't choose to take their own life who also have those same risk factors. The work of the SAMH on suicide prevention is backed by footballer Charlie Adam. His father, Charlie Sr., took his own life in 2012. It was a real blow to me losing my dad, the Scotland International said. It knocked me big time. It's great that this research will look to understand suicide risk in men. It's a subject that's close to my heart. Okay, so... um. I got to be careful about what I say here because if I talk too much, you know, if I speak too much about my thoughts on the male suicide, the silent male suicide epidemic, um, you know, I, I would have basically given away my script for the podcast on the silent male suicide epidemic, which is, by the way, coming up now. I, I'm still going to share a couple of thoughts with you guys. So 
Notice how I keep referring to it as silent. And what I mean by that is that not enough is being done about it. You know, there's not enough uh, awareness and all that stuff um, being done considering how big of a problem that this is. So until this like gets enough traction, until this gets the attention that it deserves, I highly ask you, or highly, I'm sorry, highly, I highly recommend you to refer to the male suicide epidemic as the silent male suicide epidemic because honestly i never even knew about this until somebody just uh talked about it in a MGTOW forum so um I'm, I'm really glad that work is being done about it and in the future i hope that the suicide rates uh for men decline of course suicide you know it's it's unfortunately always going to be a thing but i don't want this to be an epidemic the, the fact that this is an epidemic, that's the problem right there, folks. It shouldn't even be an epidemic, really. It shouldn't, like, yeah, it just shouldn't. All right, why is it an epidemic? And like I said, we're going to discuss the whys, the who's, the what's, and this and that's uh, in the podcast, which is coming up. If you want some updates on it, uh, go ahead and follow me on Twitter. So, guys, that's going to end it for the men's rights section for this week's edition of MGTOW News. We're going to head over to the men's health section of MGTOW News, which, by the way, has some interesting stories. We're going to go ahead and start off with the first one. Go ahead and take a look. Screenings for colon and rectal cancer should happen at 45. New guidelines say that's five years sooner than the previous recommendations. Guys should get their first colon and rectal cancer screenings at 45 instead of 50, according to updated guidelines from the American Cancer Society. There has been an unexplained rise in the number of colon and rectal cancer cases in young people. Screenings can take various forms, including colonoscopies, DNA tests, and blood tests. All right, here's a friendly reminder. It's probably time for you to get an annual physical, and if you're 45 or older, make sure to get a colon and rectal cancer screening too. On Wednesday, the American Cancer Society released updated guidelines for colon and rectal cancer screenings. In it, the group now recommends that adults with an average risk of cancer get screened starting at age 45 instead of age 50. The revised age limits released by the group come on the heels of a still unexplained rise in colon and rectal cancers in younger people, even as young as teens. Because the group cannot explain the rising trend, it simply hopes more people will begin the screening process earlier in life. People born in the 80s and 90s are at double the risk for developing cancer of the colon and four times the risk for developing cancer of the rectum compared to people born decades earlier like the 40s and 50s. Dr. Richard Wender, Chief Cancer Control Officer for the American Cancer Society, told NBC, We're actually seeing colorectal cancer developing in people in their teens, which is something that was extraordinarily rare in the past, and it's all too common today. As NBC pointed out, colorectal cancer is the third most commonly diagnosed cancer in Americans. This year alone, the American Cancer Society expects, expects more than 95,000 people to be diagnosed with colon cancer, while 40,000 more will be diagnosed with rectal cancer. Combined, these two cancers will kill an estimated 50,000 people in 2018. A majority of Americans fall within those average risk guidelines, according to Wender. If you have a family history or if you have inflammatory bowel disease, you are at a higher risk and you need to start earlier. These guidelines don't apply to you, Wonder said, but 
For 80% of us, we're average risk, and the screening age is now 45. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about what happens at a colorectal cancer screening. A colorectal cancer screening can mean a multitude of things, including but not limited to a colonoscopy, where a small camera is inserted and snaked through the entire colon, DNA testing on stool to check for cancerous cells, CT scans, and blood tests. Testing can be expensive, especially if it's not currently covered by insurance. Right now, all insurance is mandated to cover colonoscopy, all the screening options at age 50. That's not going to be true the moment we release this guideline, Wender told NBC. So we're going to be working on insurance coverage over the next five years to make sure these options are available to everyone. Let's go ahead and wrap up this story by covering how you can prevent colorectal cancer beyond regular checkups. CNN reported that a separate study released last week by the World Cancer Research Fund in collaboration with the American Institute for Cancer Research found that being physically active and eating healthfully, including plenty of foods high in fiber, can potentially decrease your risk of colorectal cancer. Moreover, limiting your consumption of red meat, processed meat, and alcoholic beverages could further decrease your risk of these deadly cancers. All right, guys. So um, there are there are a lot of men's health articles and stories to cover the tubes and all that, but I chose this one uh, because of a personal reason. I had a very great friend of mine. He was um, a very athletic guy. He he was actually a high school coach for football, and he was just a great guy. Great guy. He had a great personality. He was very religious. He attended church a lot and he was married to our our religious wife and all that they were just a great couple he was a great guy he was very athletic and unfortunately he was diagnosed with um cancer not just in the colon but in in other places i believe it spread to other parts of his body um and and it just wasn't pretty and you know he did have bowel problems but even and i was like i didn't know i didn't know it could actually get that bad you know he was very athletic and i and i know that it doesn't just because you're athletic it doesn't mean that you're uh, you know immune to cancer but i know that would it would greatly reduce reduce the chances of him you know getting cancer and i don't like talking about it i really don't he was a very close friend of mine he passed away just three days after my birthday and i just you know i was really devastated by it you know i haven't had a, a, a a close friend like that, you know, passed away in, in a long time. And, uh, you know, he actually took me seriously when I was a kid. He knew that I wanted to do stuff in life. Like, for this is, I'm getting personal right here. So I wanted to, um, I, I want to become an airline pilot when I grow up. And I always told that to everybody. And, and he was the first guy to ever actually take me seriously. You know, I think, I, I mean, really, he was, you know. He was the guy to, that that would always help our family whenever we needed stuff. You know, like if we never needed to like look, carry something, transport something, he had a truck uh, that he would you know carry stuff for us in, and, and he just I don't know. And then when I saw him when he had cancer, I came into his house one day, and um, I I went to his in his wife in his bedroom right. He was laying in the bed there, and, and he just wasn't the same, you know. It, it was really sad. I I just had that. I was happy to see him again because, you know, we moved away. Uh, 
but still just seeing this guy that I that that I saw as a role model uh he he was very athletic and all that you know and, and to see him just laying there in bed like so weak and all that it devastated me you know it it really did it just I haven't the, I I really haven't cried like that in a long long time when I um you know when when I saw him and all that, you know, and then uh, the hardest part was having to to um, hug him goodbye, knowing that I would never even see him again. You know that was hard, but um, it's just a grim reminder that you never that you never even the people that you expect to be healthy and all that, even they can get sick and they can get horrible diseases that. I don't know why they freaking exist. It sucks, but man, let this be a reminder to you that think, just look after yourself because we know that nobody else will. And no, don't get me don't get me wrong. I do care about you guys, and that's the reason I, you know, stay up until four a.m. every night just to do some editing. You know, I, I lose sleep over this editing stuff just so you guys, you know, know that hey, someone out there cares about you. You know. Just kind of, you know, I want you to focus on improving yourself and looking after yourself. You know, exercise and stay healthy. Uh, eat healthy. Uh, get plenty of exercise every day and stay active. All right, guys. So uh, that's it for that story. I just wanted to share that personal experience. With you. I, I don't like talking about it, but I felt that it was necessary in relation with the story. And I also wanted to just share that with you guys to kind of let you know that, hey, when you don't expect it to happen to you, it's probably going to happen to you, you know? So, um, that's it for that story, guys. We're going to be moving on to this, uh, next story right here. Uh, it was actually pretty interesting. Go ahead and take a look. Prostate cancer immune system drug results could be spectacular. Drugs that boost the immune system have saved the lives of some men with terminal prostate cancer, say doctors in the UK. The team at the Institute of Cancer Research and the Royal Marsden Hospital in London said the results were spectacular and a big deal. However, the therapy will not work for most patients. Cancer Research UK said the next step was to predict who would respond. Immunotherapy is transforming the treatment of cancer and is now part of routine practice for some skin and lung cancers. It works by taking the brakes off of a patient's own immune system so it can attack a tumor. An early stage trial presented at the world's biggest meeting of cancer doctors and scientists in Chicago is the first to show that this approach works on prostate cancer too. In the UK, the disease, <clears throat> excuse me, in the UK, the disease is the most common cancer in men and it has recently overtaken breast cancer. So uh, let's say this clear. Prostate cancer, it's now surpassed breast cancer to become the third biggest killer. Michael English, 72, was one of the 258 men who took part in the trial. He was first diagnosed in 2005, but radiotherapy, chemotherapy, and hormone-based therapies did not kill his cancer. Two years ago, he was given the immunotherapy drug pembrolizumab. He said, we were astonished when scans showed that the tumor had become undetectable. Today, I'm effectively cancer-free. He says he's planning out the next 20 years of his life and not the next two. 
Researcher Professor Johan de Bono told the BBC, This is the first evidence that a subset of prostate cancer patients do spectacularly well on immunotherapy. We have several patients in the Mars den who have had a complete response. It is a new arrow in the quiver for men with lethal prostate cancer. It's a big deal for these patients. However, he said that only between 10 and 50% of patients had any response to the therapy at all. This is an approach that will not help the majority of men. That is not unusual for immunotherapy. It seems to work incredibly well with a handful of patients, have a temporary effect in others, and do nothing for the rest. The team in London have seen, hits, uh, have seen hints that it works best in patients with the most heavily mutated cancers. Nell Berry from Cancer Research UK said, The next step will be to find out how to tell which men will benefit from taking this drug. This is important all as although immunotherapy is exciting, it can have severe side effects. Alright, so we're going to wrap up this story by covering how immunotherapy drugs work. Your immune system is trained to fight infection, but it also attacks parts of the body if they malfunction, such as in cancers. However, tumors have a few tricks up their sleeve in order to survive. They can produce a protein called PDL1, I'm sorry, PD-L1, which switches off any part of the immune system that tries to attack them. Pembrolizumab is one of a suite of drugs called checkpoint inhibitors being developed by pharmaceutical companies. They stop cancers by turning off the immune system so that the body can keep on attacking the tumor. The findings were presented at the annual meeting of the American Society of Clinical Oncology. Alright guys, so that wraps it up for this week's edition of Make 10 News. But now, wait, wait, wait. Before you close out the video and I'll let you go, uh, I want to, of course, share with you guys why I covered this specific article. Alright, so, of course, I'll remember... One of the core principles of the MGTOW philosophy is, is that you need to look after yourself, all right? You need you are responsible for you and you need to maintain your health and all that and all that good stuff, all right? So, always, you know, get any uh health checkups whenever necessary and look, uh medical technology, hey, that stuff, it's really really advanced. I mean, uh who knows? We might eventually I might be able to see in my lifetime cancer becoming you know something that you could just cure you know uh and and i love to see that so remember men to keep taking care of yourself and to look after yourselves all right guys so that wraps it up for this week's edition of MGTOW news for those of you who are watching this on youtube i'd like to thank you for watching uh really i do appreciate it and for those of you who are listening to this as a podcast uh it is also once again greatly appreciated Next week's edition of MGTOW News will be available on June 10th, 2018. And before we move on, this week's featured viewer is none other than Wayne Barton. Wayne, your continued engagement in the comment section, it's really appreciated. You know, right now the time is, uh, what time is it right now? It's, oh yeah, it's actually 3.35 in the morning right now. And I'm still, you know, recording this, even though I'm like, you know, really fatigued and tired. I'm still doing editing but um you know your engagement 
your continued support. It reminds me uh, why I why I still do all this work and all that. So your positive comments and all that, Wayne, it's really appreciated by me and everybody else in the community. And uh, to be the feature viewer, just engage frequently. That's it. You know, I'm not asking for you to donate anything to a Patreon or I don't even have a Patreon, but you know, you know, you don't have to donate or anything. You don't have to do anything like that. No, I'm just asking that you engage frequently in the comment section. Uh, you watch the videos a lot, and I just want you. I just want you to appreciate the content that I put out. You know, because I I put I I put aside my own personal time to make this stuff. So all that stuff, it it it's really appreciated. Um, and as I've mentioned earlier, this will be available uh, as a podcast on any platforms that the MGTOW Academy show is on. Uh, so everything's all in one place. The live streams, they're archived there as a podcast. Uh, the regular podcasts are, are uh, on there. And then now you have MGTOW News on there. So if you don't want to watch the whole video, you can just listen to it whatever with whatever you're doing. You know, just multitask and listen to the news. So uh, there's that. It's going to be it's going to be available on any platform that the MGTOW Academy show is already on, which is, you know, on most major plat- uh, most major uh, podcast platforms. Uh, guys, once again, engagement is key. So share your thoughts on the articles that I covered in the comment section below. And if you want to follow MGTOW Academy on Twitter, you got to fo- the Twitter handle is uh, all caps MGTOW, followed by Academy. The first and Academy is capitalized. If you want to follow MGTOW News on Twitter, it's at all caps MGTOW News. And if you want to collaborate with me, let's say you want to do uh, a podcast together, you want to do a podcast together, you want to do a live stream together, uh, whatever you want to do. Just drop me an email at MGTOWacademy.media at gmail.com. I don't care if it's on my channel or if it's on your channel. I don't care where it is. As long as I can make it, I'll be happy to do it, all right? Um, until next time, guys, remember that it's a very dangerous world out there, so be sure to take your daily doses of red pills and to stay safe. Everybody, this is MGTOW Academy signing off.